Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, coming this weekend to a theater near you is me. I'm kidding. Uh, Maybe, though. I worked on the set of Dear Zoe, a Pittsburgh movie based on a Pittsburgh book that's about to premiere. And I had a little scene in the film, so we'll see if it makes the cut. I'm here with the local author, Philip Beer, to talk about what it's been like to bring his story to the silver screen when it almost didn't get published in the first place. It's Thursday, November 3rd. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Okay, so first, a quick recap. If you haven't read the book, Dear Zoe is, you know, a story about grief. The main character, Tess, is going through, you know, a difficult time as a teen when her younger stepsister is hit and killed by a car on 9-11. So essentially, you know, her family's grief really gets, like, eclipsed by this huge national tragedy. And the whole book is a series of letters that Tess writes to Zoe after she died. Dear Zoe, I have memories of you from before you were even born. And in the movie, Tess is played by Sadie Sink. She's one of the breakout stars from Stranger Things, or if you're a Swifty, from the music video for All Too Well. Now that you're caught up, let's get into it with author Philip Beard. Philip, what was the inspiration that you had behind the story and behind these characters? It was really two things that came together. My stepdaughter was in her early teens at the time, and I felt like she occupied this really fertile ground both as an adolescent and as someone who was moving back and forth between two very different families. And your stepdaughter would be Tess. Like, she's the inspiration for Tess. She's the inspiration for Tess. And so I was taking notes in her voice. Mm -hmm. I've always kept a notebook, you know, small recipe cards that don't tear out very easily. And at the same time, there were some horrific and unexplainable tragedies involving children in my community. Hmm. And I was, in addition to my stepdaughter, I was the father of two very young daughters at the time, aged one and five, I think, when I started writing. And I think you write about what you fear. And I started to be afraid every time they went outside. Mm -hmm. And... I think instinctively I knew I didn't want to write about the death of a child from a father's standpoint. And so the only way to explain it really is these two sets of notes started talking to one another. And pretty soon this voice of my stepdaughter, Callie, was speaking to this younger sister that she'd lost. And that's really how it it came about. What was the process like of getting Dear Zoe published? Oh, my God. The publication was a story in and of itself. I mean, I wrote Dear Zoe and literally put the final period on the first draft on September 11th, 2002, one year after 9-11. And I sent it to my agent and she said, we love this, but New York isn't ready for a 9-11 novel. When did you start writing it? I started, I actually started writing it before 9-11 and I'm writing about this quote unquote small family tragedy. And then that happens. And I got writer's block for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I was like, how do I write about this tiny tragedy and in the shadow of this? And that's sort of what made me think, well, that's what Tess would feel. That's what my narrator would feel. She would feel like her tragedy has been silenced by what 
happened in New York and Pennsylvania and Washington. And, and that was really what gave me the ability to, to move forward and finish it. And then when my agent said that, I said, this is the opposite of a 9-11 novel. This is about what was happening everywhere else. And she said, well, New York will see it as a 9-11 novel. And yeah, she was right. And it was, it made the rounds and did not get picked up. Oh, what? why not? I was told, you know, when you're not published yet, you tend to take bad advice once in a while. And I was hmm. told by someone in her office that the epistolary novel is dead and it needs to be in standard first person. And and I said, well, what could be more intimate than eavesdropping on a conversation between sisters? Mm-hmm. And, but I listened, I rewrote the entire novel in standard first person and cried when I finished it because to me it had lost its intimacy. Yeah. And 22 more publishers rejected it after that rewrite. So you thought, I have to fix something because clearly that wasn't the right fix. That wasn't the right fix. Yeah. And so for me, the right fix was taking it right back to where I'd started. So that was just the very beginning of the advent of self-publishing. And that's what I did. I After a few months of depression, honestly, I decided to take control of the process again and spent six months treating that as my full-time job. And while that was happening, I visited a local bookstore. There was a proprietor of a local bookstore here in Aspenwall who had been reading my work for years. He was asking me how it was going and I told him what I was doing. And he was sort of this Seinfeld soup Nazi kind of guy who you know, if you came in to pick a bestseller, he didn't want anything to do with you. Yeah, you know? yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he just he would write you up, you know, on a handwritten receipt and not mm-hmm. look at you when he checked you out. And <laughs> so <clears throat> I told him what I was doing and he said, you know, you're insane. And I said, what do you mean? He said, nobody reads self-published fiction. He said, you'll sell it to your mother's Christmas card list and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't really know what else to do. And he said, leave the manuscript with me. My Penguin sales rep is coming in next week and he's sort of this up and coming guy. And I said, I'm pretty sure every Penguin, uh, every Penguin imprint has already rejected the novel, you know, but knock yourself out. So I left it with him, continued down the self-publishing road. And I got a call from his sales agent a week later, a guy named Jason Gobble. And he said, John Toll handed me your novel and I read it on the home plane home to Nashville and I I loved it and I'd like to show it to someone at Viking. And I said, well, I'm pretty sure Vikings already rejected <laughs> the novel, but knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Literally like the day before I was going to write a check to this printer in Michigan, I get a call from the president of Viking Penguin saying that Jason Gobble had put my novel on her desk and she loved it and wanted to publish it. So it was just cr- a crazy series of events. I mean, somebody at at Viking had already looked at it and rejected it a year before. I worked on this film and I know it took a few tries, you know, really to get it off the ground. How did you end up getting connected with the producers, Mark and Brenda Lormer? I know Mark's from here. Mark's from Pittsburgh. So I met Mark and Brenda on a, when they came to Pittsburgh on a trip in 2008. And so the novel was optioned by their indie production company 14 years ago, mm-hmm. 2008. 
what's it been like, I guess, to see it go through this process, you know, of, of you know, rejection from the book and then um, and then such a long process, even with like making the film. People don't realize how long that can that, that can take sometimes. Yeah, it's been a crazy journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of ups and downs, as you might imagine. But the day that sticks out most in my mind is the very first day of shoot. Our first day of shooting was also the mo- most complex day of shooting because it was at Kennywood Park. I recall. Yeah. And it was a, <laughs> it was a cold October day. Uh, it was supposed to look like summer. So poor Sadie and company had to... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have down down coats on and then take take everything off and be in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. Um, but walking into Kennywood Park and seeing all of these trucks and equipment and people and food service milling around in service of this thing that I'd written by myself in a room at that at that time it was you know 15 years earlier was just just crazy. And after that first day, I couldn't stay away from set. I was so fascinated. And so, as you know, I was there, I think, 22 out of 28 days. And to watch it all come together, it is, yeah, it is amazing. It's amazing. And it's amazing to watch actors work. I never had an appreciation for the amount of emotion they have to bring over and over and over again and yes. they turn the cameras around and they do it over and over and o- it's just stunning it was a lot of cold long nights filming at this small home in braddock most of the crew was in the streets watching the monitors with you because we couldn't all fit in the house so i can't wait to see how it looks now on the big screen so philip thank you so much for joining us thank you morgan it was nice to see you again You can catch Dear Zoe at select Pittsburgh theaters starting tonight. There's also going to be a special screening tonight at the Oaks Theater in Oakmont. It includes a QA and a with the producers. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. We'll put the info in our show notes. And some more news before you go. Philanthropist Mackenzie Scott, the better half of the former Amazon power couple, donated $6 million to the Urban League of Greater Pittsburgh, the civil rights nonprofit. That's the most money that the nonprofit has ever gotten in a single gift in its 104-year history. You might remember Scott divorced from her billionaire husband, Jeff Bezos, a few years ago. And while Bezos has been doing his best space cowboy impression, Mackenzie has been donating billions to charity, including the Y here in Pittsburgh and a community group in Hazelwood. And the movement to annex Wilkinsburg into Pittsburgh got a pretty big setback. An Allegheny County judge ruled that the process for consolidating the two, which was outlined all the way back in 1903, is invalid. Uh, Instead of getting Pittsburgh City Council members and Wilkinsburg voters to approve the annexation, now City Council doesn't have a say, but they have to get Pittsburgh voters to get on board with it too. So good luck with that. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, then I urge you to pick up the book Dear Zoe and to check out the film this weekend. Leave us some love in the reviews and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. I tried to watch the first season of Stranger Things and I was like, these kids are a lot.